Hey, I'm Virginia Heffernan. What you're about to hear is a preview of today's episode, which is in its entirety, it's exclusive for Slate Plus members only. I know that you've heard me talk about Slate Plus before, but it's just time to sign up. As a member, you'll get to hear all the shows, including this one, ad-free, and you get bonus segments and episodes and digital swag of all kinds. But perhaps most importantly, you'll be supporting all the work we do here at Trumpcast, especially as we move forward into this coming election. I don't have to tell you all, it is a crucial year, so please sign up for Slate Plus. It's only $35 for the first year, and you won't have to listen to this spiel or any ads on any Slate podcast. So head over to slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to sign up. Thanks so much for listening. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. If we end up doing Burncast with episodes on bros instead of red hats, spitting fury, misogyny, racism, the ill health of an octogenarian, the demise of the Democratic Party and the American president's Russian allegiances, I will be over the moon. As much as I think Sanders will be a bad president and is a sloppy, chippy ideologue who lacks the capacity to govern, I'm with Joe Walsh on anyone but Trump. In the waning hours, and not that I have any influence, I do want to call attention once again to Sanders' written gang rape fantasies. Yes, it's true. His friendship with the gun lobby, his bizarre recent statement that black men need to be more respectful of the police lest they get shot, the legacy of harassment and mistreatment and underpayment of women on his 2016 campaign, his hiring of Tad Devine that same year, that Manafort running buddy, as chief strategist, his longtime admiration for dangerous regimes in the Soviet Union, China and Cuba, his vote against Magnitsky, his recent interview in RT, his acceptance of an endorsement by Joe Rogan his endorsement by Republicans who believe he'll help elect Trump and his endorsement by Russians and support by Russians looking to sow more chaos in our country. Then there's the fact that Bernie has never fully acknowledged how much Russian help he got in 2016 when he and Trump were the avowed choices of the Kremlin and how much help he is still getting. And of course, there's his campaigns and his supporters' relentless and cruel harassment of his arrivals and anyone who's not in lockstep with Sanders. Scott Bixby for The Daily Beast wrote about a regional field director for Bernie in Michigan named Ben Mora. Ben had apparently started a burner Twitter account for his pals where he could slag off in locker room talk. Whatever it is when you talk about how disgusting and ugly and old women are and how they belong in diapers. Is that locker room talk where you call Elizabeth Warren a dumb oaky and that's actually the kindest thing you say? Anyway, this discovery of Mora and his account launched panic among Bernie supporters. Why? Because they realized that their campaign are doing this kind of daft and gross and undignified and, of course, ad hominem smearing of Bernie's political rivals. No! The bros are concerned that, and the campaign did fire Mora, they were losing the person that would carry Bernie to victory in Michigan but because Mora is so awesomely winning. Oh, also, they were worried that there was a rat in the Bernie campaign, and he should be found. So that's normal. Last, Andrew Bixby, the author of the piece, which has no facts in dispute, was then doxxed by the Bernie crew and spent all night last night flacking harassment from them himself. Just remember another who's faced harassment by Bernie people is Fred Gutenberg, whose daughter was shot and killed in Parkland. 
Bernie is a longtime supporter of the NRA. Gutenberg has criticized his record on guns. And Bernie's people have bashed back at the grieving father. Bakari Sellers, a former South Carolina state legislator who supported Kamala Harris in the primary, now says you have to be very cognizant when you say anything critical of Bernie online. You have to put your phone down because there's going to be blowback and it could be sexist, racist, and vile. I can vouch for all that, having endured some of it myself. So make of all that what you will. Bernie is still not quite the nominee. And this country will be far better off if Democrats nominate someone else. My choice is Warren, but Klobuchar, Buttigieg, Biden, I have to say, until the nominee is decided, I won't let up. But when the nominee is decided, and even if it's Sanders, I will be quiet. And of course, I will campaign for him. (sighs) My guest today is Charlie Mullins Glenn. She's a writer and activist and the founder of Mormon Women for Ethical Government. You're going to hear more about that. She has a fantastic op-ed from last week in the New York Times called Why I Became an Activist Against Fear. Welcome to Trumpcast, Charlie. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Before we get to the topic of fear and love in a Christian context, in a Mormon context, I want to talk to you about conspiracy. So you are the fourth activist or journalist I've spoken to in the Trump era that comes from a family that was attached to the John Birch Society. (laughs) Um, I I can't name the first, but he's an extremely accomplished reporter. The second is Mike Allen, the co-founder and executive editor of Axios. His father, Gary Allen, was a leader in the Birch Society and the author of None Dare Call It Conspiracy. The third is Claire Connor. You may have read her book. Her father was the first Chicago member of the Birch Society and a spokesman. She broke away and wrote the book Wrapped in the Flag about her experience. And she's also identifies as a grandmother. And that book might be of interest to you because all of these people like you seem to have shaken off that early influence of the Birchers while also finding your own moral commitments. Sure. My question for you is tell us about the Birchers because it's shorthand for so much. And what was it like growing up among them? Sure. Well, I mean, I was very young. I was probably about 11 when my mother decided that she no longer uh, wanted to be a part of the John Birch Society. But yeah, I mean, in the op-ed, I mentioned that as a little girl, when I went to sleep at night, it wasn't monsters or wolves that I was afraid might be lurking under my bed. It was communists. I had no idea what communists were, but I knew they were big and bad and scary. And so during the this would have been during the late 60s and early 70s. And in the little farming community where I grew up in northeastern Utah, someone joined the John Birch Society and then another neighbor joined and then another neighbor. And and soon, pretty much everyone that we knew in our little community um, belonged to the John Birch Society, were very involved. There were meetings. And, and as I described it, it was like this wildfire of fear you know, sort of sweeping across our community. And we were all very involved. When I was about 11, I was actually the secretary of the youth chapter of the John Birch Society in my little community. But this experience, this very pivotal experience that I describe in my op-ed, when my mother made the decision, she announced her decision to leave the John Birch Society, just has had such an impact on my own life. It has affected virtually everything else that I've done. What happened was she emerged on a Sunday, as I remember it, and Mm -hmm. made clear to us, the children, that she was going to be no longer a part of the John Birch Society. And we were stunned because she was a very active participant. 
And we asked her why. And she was holding her scriptures. And she said, she quoted the that verse in 2 Timothy and said, because God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Mm. And she said in the John Birch Society is based in fear. And that can't be of God. It is so hard to detach from a group like that when you imagine that it's the cure to the fear as opposed to the source of the fear. I mean, that took independence of mind and and bravery and certainly soundness of mind by your mother. Were you impressed or afraid at the moment? Oh, not at all. I was very impressed. It immediately rang true to my young mind. And and I thought, yeah, that's absolutely right. That's not how God works. God works through love. It was empowering, actually, to me in the moment. I thought, oh, we don't need to be afraid. You know, we have the power is within us Mm -hmm. to take action in positive ways, ways that are based in love and not in fear. So that was a preview. Aren't you excited to hear more? You can. Go to Slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to sign up for Slate Plus, hear the rest of the episode, and get a whole lot more.